Hello, if you're following along, as I'm sure you are eagerly awaiting each new episode of the Musings on Evaluation podcast, uh, you will undoubtedly realize that cramming several together here, uh, such as the nature of 2020, right? So in this episode, we're going to talk about design, research and evaluation design, which is something we more often talk about in research, uh, but quite frankly should talk about just as much in evaluation. And more importantly, uh, or equally importantly, I should say, not just design, but what I want you to come out of this with is why you should care. So if you can just recite to me or identify a particular design, that's fine. But quite frankly, that's not particularly useful unless you can tell me why that matters, why that influences how you interpret the results, and ultimately what judgments, what recommendations you make. Again, none of this matters unless we can make it practical and relevant to the work we do in nonprofits, tourism, community sports, parks and recreation, community development. All this is ultimately about making our communities stronger, healthier places to live, work, learn, and play. So design is how we set up our study. And there are many designs. Um, Broadly, we talk about in this class three. The first one we talk about is a cross-sectional design. In cross-sectional design, we are getting data from our participants at a single point in time. That means each participant is only giving us data at one point in time for that participant. Now, if we send out a questionnaire and people fill it out over the course of two weeks, that is still cross-sectional because each participant is only giving us data at one point in time. Most of the survey, questionnaire, evaluation, and research we do is cross-sectional. It's not bad. Uh, It limits the conclusions we can make, which we'll talk about in a second, but it is still useful data and what we most frequently use. But before we talk about the limitations of cross-sectional design, let's talk a minute about causality. Because ultimately what we want to do is say one thing causes another. Participation in my underwater basket weaving program causes participants' self-esteem to increase. Going on vacation causes my stress to decrease. Going to this um, nonprofit program about education causes our educational experiences to be better. That was a slightly awkward example. I was stretching for a nonprofit example, but nonprofits you cover so many different types of subjects. Um, that are relevant to all of us, right? So that's ultimately what we went to. We wanna make a statement about causality, okay? To do that, our design requires three things, okay? One, we need to be able to say that 
two things are related or correlated. Okay? Correlation is a statistic we'll talk about later. Okay? But for now, if I just say they're related, you can understand what that means. Two things are related. Okay? Two, we need to say that those things happen in order, that one happens after the other. Okay? If they happen at the same time, then clearly one didn't cause the other. One happens before the other. And three, we need to um, say there's what we call non-spuriousness, or um, there's not, another word we'll say is a, a nuisance variable or a confound variable. Several terms here, but basically what that says, what that means is there isn't something else going on that's actually causing our result. The classic example is about uh, eating ice cream and shark attacks. Okay. We know the data supports that there is a strong correlation between people eating ice cream and the number of shark attacks. The more ice cream people eat, the more people get attacked by sharks. We've met one criteria for causality. Okay. We could potentially say um, people ate ice cream before getting eaten by a shark. We might be able to set it up like that. Um, I shouldn't say eaten by a shark, a shark attack, okay? That could give us time order, but the problem is we have spuriousness, okay? There's something else going on there that's actually more related to shark attacks than eating ice cream, and that's summertime, okay? When the weather is warmer, and I don't understand everything about shark attacks, but I do understand people get in the water more when the weather is warmer, so they're more likely to be attacked by a shark when they're in the water than when they're not in the water. So in that example, okay, we have correlation. We maybe have time order. We definitely do not have non-spuriousness. And the example... Um, we talked about in class for some research I did. So I was really interested, am really interested in this idea of sense of community, this feeling of belonging. Um, and I was particularly interested in parents of youth sport participants. If you've been around youth sport as either a participant um, or potentially as a parent or just seen it, um, you may have noticed that parents kind of form their own groups. Okay. So I was interested in what things were related to parents forming a sense of community. And I, and I made a statement about causality, what things predict a sense of community for parents. Okay. I sent out a questionnaire okay, to parents of these four participants. I asked them about how much time they were spending in the program, how much money, and, and some other things about identity and perceived choice, which we won't get into. But let's just talk about the time and money and number of children they have. Okay. What I found is there is a correlation okay, between how much time parents spend in the program and their sense of community. In other words, the more time they spend in the program, the higher their sense of community. And that is the statement I make. Okay. I'm making a causal statement. One thing causes the other. However, my cross-sectional design doesn't really allow me to do that. Because I could equally say, based on the design, that the higher someone's sense of community is, the more time 
they spend in the youth support program. Based on my design, that is an equally true thing to say, based on my design and my results. Okay. I use logic to make an argument of why one thing predicts the other, but my design doesn't actually tell me that. Okay. Second type we talked about is longitudinal. Okay. In longitudinal, we are collecting data from the same participants at multiple points in time. So in my example of youth support parents, if I wanted to know if participating for the year, okay, increased sense of community, okay, I'd ask them at the beginning of the season about their sense of community. They'd go through the season, I'd ask at the end of the season. So now I have time order, okay? So if from time A to time B increased, okay, I might be able to say that, or make a statement that participating in that program was the cause. Now, is there something else going on that might have increased their sense of community? Maybe. Okay. Maybe it's hard to completely eliminate spuriousness okay, or confounds or nuisance variables. But longitudinal, multiple points in time, longitudinal is better at giving us an idea about causality because of it adds the time order piece. Okay. The third type we talked about is experimental. Experimental tries to eliminate the non-spuriousness. Okay. So cross-sectional gets the correlation. Longitudinal generally gets the correlation and the time order. Experimental tries to eliminate the non-spuriousness. Okay. Experimental design is really hard to do when you're dealing with people. Okay. It's because we can't control things. Okay. For example, um, we watched a video in class where the person changed her dress to be as an authority figure, not an authority figure. She manipulated the situation to try to control for it. Okay. Was there, there's certainly a time order in that. There was a correlation. Okay. Um, was there spuriousness? Maybe. Okay. Uh, maybe there's something else that's causing people's behavior. Maybe it's the weather. <laughs> Maybe it's their mood the person was in today. The There's other things potentially going on, okay? True experimental design is very hard. We often call things quasi-experimental, which means, eh, hey, we're trying. Now, one, I think, final point to make about design and causality uh, is there are statistical techniques that allow us to do that experimental control. Those techniques are advanced, they're beyond the scope of this class, but I want you to be aware um, when you see something that's a cross-sectional design, and, and by the way, you can read about these studies oftentimes in the New York Times, newspapers will often tell you about research, okay? And you may read something, it's a survey design, and you realize it's, it's cross-sectional, and because you took this class, you're like, there's no time order and there's spuriousness. You can't make a statement about causality, and you would be correct. Um, but you may hear the statement, researchers controlled for, okay? they controlled for something that was potentially spurious. So that's a statistical technique, usually. Um, and, I, you know, I, I hesitate to bring it up um, because I'm telling you that it's a statistical technique and I'm not gonna tell you what the technique is because it's more advanced. Um, but I, I want you to kind of find that balance between 
reading about research and reading research critically and knowing if someone makes a cross-sectional design, survey design, it's not necessarily a statement about causality, but also having some trust in the process of science and uh, that whole that we talked about, the under the hood, the peer review process. Okay, So when something's published in a peer review journal, it's gone through that kind of rigor to look at those controls. There was a bit of a sidebar there, but uh, I think that's important for you to be aware of. So when you were out in your careers and you were doing evaluations, most likely, frequently, you're gonna do a summative end of the program, end of the year, evaluations, cross-sectional design, okay? So just be aware of those limitations, okay? Use your logic to think about the causality. Use your logic in your brain to think about what's spurious, what else is going on that could be getting your outcomes, okay? This is why we care about design and causality. As always, thanks for listening. Have a great day.